Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Numa Church, everyone, and thank you so much for that welcome. Uh, it is an interesting season that we find ourselves in, to say the least. And uh, like you, um, I'm sure that you've had moments where you may have struggled in your own emotions, in your own heart and mind with now for the City of Melbourne, 200 days of enforced lockdown. That is a heavy weight for anyone to bear up under. And I just want to say to you to give yourself permission to feel what you feel, but don't let that distract you from Jesus. We've got to keep looking to the founder and perfecter of our faith. And we are in a revival uh, season and series. And this season looks very different to what we had anticipated. And yet I am believing that God is going to meet you and I right where we're at. And regardless of what we are facing and regardless of the inadequate solutions and strategies that we currently are facing, God is not without a solution. He is not without a strategy. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He has seen the church through many uh, uh, difficult seasons throughout history. And uh, we will come out on the other side of this. And there is a vision that God has for you and that God has for our church and our planet where we will not perish, but we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I ask the Holy Spirit uh, in preparation for this day, what do you want to do in this service? And I really feel that towards the end of this message that I'm gonna pray and prophesy over people that have been bearing up under an oppressive attack upon their mental health and their emotional well-being. And the Lord spoke to me and said, He's gonna bring deliverance, relief and healing to uh, broken minds and broken hearts. And so why don't we pray as we get ready for the Word today. Father, I thank You so much that Your Word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of both joint and marrow, able to discern the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. I declare the river of revival to run through this message, to run through our church, to run through every home, to run through every street, Father. And Lord, I just pray that You would come and break bondages off of people's lives today by the power of the anointing of your Holy Spirit. God, we love You, we honour You. We give You this moment. In Jesus' Name we pray, Amen. Well, I want you to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 47. I'm gonna be reading from verses 1 to 12. Ezekiel 47, 1 to 12. And uh, we read of an encounter that Ezekiel is having from chapter 40 through to chapter 48 with the angel of the Lord concerning prophetic visions of the future, not only for Israel, but for us in the modern age, the church. And so in Ezekiel 47, it says in verse 1, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple south of the altar. And then He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. 
And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Verse three, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand. The man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river, very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region. And everyone at Melbourne East location says yes and amen. And goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, everybody say river. Every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish for this water goes there that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Enaglaim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary of God's presence and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Just as I read that, I'm starting to get excited right now in this moment because I wanna speak to you today on the river of revival. You see, you need to understand that there is a river of revival that God wants to flow out into your heart and out of your heart and into the world around us. I wonder if you can imagine with me a river 100 metres wide and only one inch deep. If you're a parent with a toddler or a little child, you probably feel fairly comfortable to let your toddler splash around in a river that was only one inch deep. But if you were to take that same body of water, 100 metres wide, one inch deep, and narrow it to only 10 metres wide, but the same body of water, flowing through that narrowed mouth of the river, there would be such a current, there would be such a force of water that you might even find it difficult to even swim across. The principle is when you narrow the focus of something, you increase the impact. And could it be that the restrictions of this season are actually helping us to narrow our focus on the author and perfecter of our faith, on what is most important in life rather than all the trivial distractions that modern life has accustomed us to. A common principle that is used in warfare by militaries is to focus an in 
entire resource of an army and all of its weaponry at a strategic point and overwhelm the enemy with firepower. And what routine patrolling and tactics can't accomplish, a single blast of focused firepower can actually accomplish in overwhelming the enemy. It is the same idea behind God using revival to bring about a great awakening in our hearts and across His church. What the quieter workings of the Spirit from week to week in modern church life all over the world don't always get to accomplish. A focused blast of revival firepower will achieve and history is filled with example after example of great awakenings that took place first in the church and then the effects and reverberations of God restoring His original pattern to the church were felt far and wide through the fruit of revival in the wider community. Well, in the last eight chapters of the book of Ezekiel, the angel of the Lord gives the prophet a vision of water, a river that's flowing out of the temple and affecting the natural environment around it. This vision is both literal and symbolic of God's presence reviving His people and affecting everything around, both in the natural and in the supernatural. The river of revival is a prophetic picture, not only for Israel in Ezekiel's day, but for us as the church with God's presence with us. It's so important that wherever the church is, the river of revival should be running through it. In verse one of this passage, it says, Then He brought me back to the door of the temple, that is the angel of the Lord, guiding and leading Ezekiel. And behold, water was pouring out from below the threshold of the temple. You see, Ezekiel sees the river representing God's presence, flowing from the temple to the natural world around it. Individually, the Bible teaches that your body and my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Corporately, the body of Christ is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God intends His presence to be a river that flows through you, not a reservoir or a dam that is contained to you. We must let the river of revival run through us. Otherwise, we will become a stagnant swamp and marsh that has no life in it. Jesus said, out of your belly, out of your heart, out of your spirit shall flow rivers of living water. What fills you must flow out of you. And that was the teaching behind the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, when he says the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, what God manifests in me must edify others through me. I believe if God can get it through you, God can get it to you. And the key to increase fruitfulness, the key to increase move of the Spirit of God is to always be a conduit of the blessing and power and presence of God, the generosity of heaven. If He can get it through you, He can get it to you. And so let's be a people in this hour that are opening up our hearts and allowing the river of revival to flow through us and not simply to us. Not only that, the river of revival increases the deeper you wade into it. You see in verse 5, The uh, prophet 
is describing this journey being led by the angel of the Lord in this vision. And it says, again, he measured a thousand cubits and it was a river I could not pass through. For the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that couldn't be passed through. You see, as Ezekiel follows the angel, he is led into deeper levels of the river. Firstly, it was measuring at ankle depth. Then it moved to his knees. Then it moved to his waist. And then ultimately over his head, it was a river. It was a current. It was a force that could not be swum through. The closer you follow Jesus, the deeper into the river of revival, He will lead you. And unfortunately, many believers only ever get ankle deep because they stop following Jesus in the infant stages of their faith. They sneak into the doorway of the mansion of God and they stop in the hallway. They started to climb the mountain of faith, but they settled at the halfway house in the chalet of convenience. And many believers are stuck in the infant stages of their faith. And then they face a season like what we're facing. By the way, this isn't a full stop, an exclamation mark or a conclusion on your future. God's purposes have not changed for the planet, nor for you and nor for His church, just because we are facing the season that we're in. And, and we, if you only are in the infant stages of your faith, you start to jump ship. You start to settle in that chalet of convenience and you forget that there is a mountaintop that God is wanting us to, to take us to. Jesus didn't save you and I so that we could sneak into the doorway of the mansion of the Kingdom of God. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you something. He said, he said follow me into the lounge of fellowship. Is your intimacy, your fellowship with the Spirit of God greater and stronger than it was 12 months ago, 18 months ago? Jesus says, follow me into the dining room where you can feast upon my presence and upon my Word. Follow me into the bedroom and find rest for your weary soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Follow me into the backyard of spiritual gifts and I'll teach you and equip you and give you what you need to be able to live your life in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. If you've been stuck in the shallow end of Christianity, it is time to jump into the deep end of the river of revival because the deeper you wade into it, the deeper you'll experience the fullness and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. The river of revival is fresh, not stale. The Bible says in verse 8, when the water enters the sea, and the sea that is being talked about here is the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea in Israel is got so much concentration of salt in it that nothing can live in it. And so it is a supernatural picture of what happens when the river of revival touches those things that are dead. When the water enters the sea, the water will become fresh. This is something that can only happen by the supernatural power of God. 
I heard a story of two sailors lost at sea and they were dying of thirst and were without water. They signalled to a boat on the horizon, give us some water, only to have the response come back, let down your bucket. They think to themselves, well, these people are crazy. We're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. All we're gonna get is salt water. So they said they must have misunderstood what we're asking for. Let's signal again, give us some water only to have the response come back, let down your bucket. And the sailors thought they may know something we don't know. And so they let down their bucket and discovered that they pulled up fresh water. Why? Because the stretch of ocean in the Atlantic that they were in is where the fresh waters of the Amazon River travelled 250 kilometres into the Atlantic Ocean, pushing the concentration of salt water down one, two, three feet below the surface and what is on the surface surface of the water is fresh drinking water. Many believers in this hour are dying of thirst because they're not letting down the bucket of their hearts to drink the fresh water of revival that the Spirit of God is making available even in the midst of the complexities of the climate that we find ourselves in. Jesus declared to that uh, Samaritan woman by that well in John chapter 4, 13, He said, "'Everyone who drinks of this water,' will be thirsty again, speaking of natural water. But everyone who drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water I give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, you can always tell when a believer is drinking the fresh water of the Spirit. They're not only hearing in real time in the present moment, the voice of the Spirit of God in their life. But what comes out of their mouths is fresh. It's alive. It encourages. It builds up. It edifies. If the only prophetic word you've got for your life or for the church is doom and gloom, you're not drinking from the river of revival because the characteristics of new covenant prophecy is encouragement, edification and comfort. It builds up and not tears down. Yes, there is a time for a warning word. Yes, there is a time for a correction word. But God is not giving those words to the everyday believers. He's giving those words to people who are more mature in spiritual authority. And so we need to make sure that we're partnering with the right voice. We're drinking from the white right water. That we're drinking from the river of revival and not the doom and gloom of the world around us. You can always tell when a preacher is preaching fresh bread. It's birthed in the oven of encounter. It's baked in that fireplace of encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's not stale. It's not been borrowed from somebody else. It's come from the Spirit of God, the river of living water, that river of revival that is inside of them. We've got to drink from that river. Why? Because it's fresh and not stale. Why is it fresh and why is it not stale? It's because that river is alive, it's not dead. The Bible says in verse 9, wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He didn't say, out of your belly shall flow rivers of toxic water, stale water, dead water. He said, 
out of your belly shall flow rivers that that is alive. It is alive with the presence of God. It is alive with purpose and destiny. You know, several years ago, uh, when I was ministering in Europe, I preached in the Czech Republic at a big uh, Christian festival, about a thousand young adults and young people. And about two days into the festival, I noticed that there were several people coming down with sickness. And, and several times the paramedics had shown up to this sort of uh, big campsite festival thing in the woods and they were taking people to hospital. And I noticed that this was happening with a regular occurrence. And on the second last day, government health inspectors showed up. I was told afterwards that this happened. And in fact, what we discovered is that at least 32 of the delegates had been taken to hospital with serious sickness and even more than that had come down with serious sickness at the festival because the sewage was leaking back into the water drinking system that all the food was being cooked in, that people were drinking from and that people were showering and that people were brushing their teeth in. And by some miracle, this little Aussie cat right here didn't get sick. But all of these people started to get sick because they were drinking from dirty water. Too many people are drinking from the sewer of the world instead of the rivers of living water and they're wondering why their soul are not healthy. You can't binge drink on toilet water of the world all week and take a sip of the Spirit on Sunday and think that you're going to be healthy and you're going to be whole and your spirit and your mind is going to be in a good place. If all you do is meditate upon the fear-mongering of media all week and you just take a little shot, a little vaccination of the Spirit on Sunday and you think that that's going to get you through, it's not enough. You've got to come back to that river of revival that is alive and not dead. You've got to come back to that river every single day of your life and you've got to allow your thoughts not to be conformed to the fear of this world, but to be transformed by the truth of God's Word so that you can get on God's page and you can flourish and prosper and thrive in a season where the world is lacking answers for the challenges that it faces. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for being whitewashed tombs. What's that about? Well, it was, they look good on the outside, but on the inside, Jesus said, you're full of dead men's bones. There's no river of life in you. There's deadness, there's staleness inside of you. Let's not be a church that keeps up the appearance of godliness, but denies the power of godliness in our lives. You know, the early church had so much life in it. The river of revival was running through it. The only word that they could use to describe the early believers, they're like, who are you? You know, uh, is it Batman? Is it, you know, Robin? Is it one? Who are you? What, what is this that we see? The, the only word that they could use to describe the life in the early church is the word that we use in English, enthusiasm. The Greek word enthusiasm. 
and all of its different derivatives was the word that they used to describe the passion, the fire, the life of the early church. Why? Because the river of revival was running through it. We are Pentecostal believers, which means we are Spirit-filled. We're not the frozen chosen. We are alive with the Spirit of God. And we will not shrink back. We will not just bunker down and become passive in our worship, in our prayer life, in our ministry, in our families, in our businesses, simply because the surrounding climate is fear-mongering all around us. Oh no, you need to understand that we are people of Pentecost. We are full of the Holy Spirit. We are full of the river of revival. We are full of the life of Jesus. There's some other people that are full of it, but we're not full of it. We're full of the Spirit because we are Pentecostal believers. Eugene Peterson said this, The core of Pentecostal identity is the lived conviction that everything in the Scriptures is livable, not just true. It isn't just true, it's alive. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is living and active. Why? Because it's infused, it's breathed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. This river of revival is alive and because it's alive, The river of revival is filled with a lot of fish to catch. That's what the prophet saw in verse 10. As he looks at the banks of this river, it says fishermen will stand beside the sea and it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds like the fish of the great sea. You see, repeatedly throughout the Gospels, Jesus uses fish and nets as a metaphor for souls and ministry. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus calls people to follow Him. And He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know, years ago, I took my kids to a fish farm to give them a positive experience of fishing. When I first went fishing as a young boy, I had a negative experience. We didn't catch anything and I was bored as all get out for several hours. And I thought, you know what? I don't want my kids to have that experience. So I, we went up in the mountains and I took them to a fish farm. Well, we started fishing. I was unprepared for how many fish that we were actually going to catch. And I realised after we'd caught 15, 20, 25, we're just catching them everywhere. That each one of those little fishies has a dollar sign attached to it. And so before you know it, when we reached $250, all of a sudden, Dad said, I think there's been enough positive reinforcement. I think we need to start throwing some fish back. So we started to catch them, throw them back in. And my kids thought, man, this fishing thing is easy. I'm going, little do you know. And guess who has to pay for it all? Dad. I just want to tell you, you better get your revival nets ready because there is a school of fish that is coming into Numa Church. There's a school of fish coming into your life group. There's a school of fish coming into your world, your neighbourhood, your location, wherever you're listening to this from. Why? Because wherever the river of revival is, there is a lot of souls to catch. You see, history records that when revivals break out, clubs close, brothels shut and jails empty. Why? It's because the river of revival convicts people's hearts with the fear of God 
and sweeps away the sin and the vices that often keep people in a place of bondage. In Luke 10 2, Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers, a few pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into the harvest field. We're coming into a season of great harvest. If ever there was a time to pull out the fishing nets and go fishing for souls, now is the time. Don't you dare retreat into that place of self-pity. There are neighbours and people all around you that need the reason for the hope that you have. They don't understand why you've got a smile on your face, even if they can only see it in the crevices of your eyes. They don't understand why, why you've got a, you know, a, a reason for the hope that you have, but you can tell them it's because I, I'm not living according to the climate of the spirit of the world, but I'm living according to a different pattern, a different voice, a different message and a different faith. It's called faith in Jesus Christ. This river of revival not only has a harvest of souls to catch, but this river of revival, Ezekiel shows us, flows with supernatural provision and healing. The Bible says in verse 12, towards the end of this passage, on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. What a powerful picture. Trees supply oxygen and fruit supplies food. That speaks of provision. The devil's greatest deception of Adam and Eve is that God's character can't be trusted and that God is somehow withholding something from Adam and Eve that they really should have and deserve. I want to tell you today, the devil is a liar. He comes to us to try and deceive us as to the nature and character of who God is. Listen, if God has withheld anything from us, it's for our good, not to destroy us, not to steal, kill and destroy. The Bible says that the enemy is like a thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have abundance and fullness of life. One of the names for God is Jehovah Jireh. It means that God is our provider. In Romans 8.32, it says, If He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, will He not also give us all things? You see, the enemy knows that if he can cut off the supply line of provision, both in the spirit and in the natural. He can win the battle on the front line of your life. And he convinces us that God is a stingy pauper and there is only so much resource to go around. I wanna tell you, heaven is not lacking resource today. That's why we gotta pray. Your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is not scratching their heads in the bank accounts for lack, what are we gonna do? Heaven is not lacking supernatural signs and wonders. We gotta get a fresh, accurate theology of who our God is and what the Kingdom of Heaven is all about. In Psalm 37, 25, King David said this, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, 
or His children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and His children become a blessing. When that river of revival runs through your life, it brings with it supernatural provision in overflow and signs and wonders begin to break out. Why? Because in the river of revival, people's hearts are full of faith. Hands are open to the needs of others. We see this in the early church in Acts 2.45. It says they were selling their possessions and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I think we need to see more of that in our church in this hour. I think you need to be more attuned to the needs of people in your life group, more attuned to the needs of people around you. Don't just think of yourself in this season, but there is something you can do by little or by much. What can you do to be a blessing to someone else? Taking over some coffees and dropping at the front door of someone's house. Can you actually buy some groceries for someone? Text them and let them know you're dropping it at their front door. What can you do to be a blessing, a conduit of God's supernatural river of provision in this hour? Could it be that the doorway into to evangelising people in a season of lockdown is through simple acts of generosity. Because in the river of revival, there is a redistribution of wealth from sinners to saints because love gives generously. And we're a church that gives generously to God. We give generously to each other. So let's be the people of God. Let's be light in the midst of darkness. Let's be hope in the midst of despair and hopelessness. In revival, there is a resurgence of power. Sick bodies are healed. Broken minds are restored. And if we, like the prophet Ezekiel, will keep following Jesus into the river of revival, I'm telling you there will be an increase of the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit and there will be an increase of supernatural provision in your life. I say that knowing the realities in this season of limitations with work and challenges and all economic things that are coming our way. But I wanna declare over you today, let the river of revival run through this house. Let the river of revival run through your house, through your family, through your heart. I say, let the river run, prepare the way we talked about that a few weeks ago and then get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit have His say. The most important thing you can do in this season is to discern and ask God, God, what do you want of me today? What do you want me to do in this moment? What do you want me to do in this hour? And it may be that you are going from hour to hour, day to day, week to week, and you're just making it to the next hour. But that's enough. His grace is sufficient for you. His strength is is made perfect in your weakness. His Word will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. If you have to go back to the source of the river of revival 10 times, 24 times in a day, once every hour, then you do what you gotta do. You run back to the source. 
You run back to the Word of life. You run back to that river of revival and you say, God, you declared it. You led your prophet through it. And I believe that river is coming through our church. It's coming into your life. And if you're planted on the banks of this river, if you're swimming in this river of Numa Church, I'm telling you that river of revival is gonna be released through your life. I declare it over you today. And I thank you, Lord, that you are leading us deeper and deeper into that river. That river of the presence of God. That river that revives our soul and our heart. I'm wondering wherever you are right now for you to stand with me. I wanna pray with you. And particularly, I wanna pray that minds that have been attacked and oppressed with depression and all sorts of anxiety, maybe panic attacks, emotions that are all over the place are gonna come into a place of calmness and peace and order right now in Jesus' Name as we pray. Why don't we just lift our hands wherever we are right now. Father, I thank You for the anointing, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that breaks bondages of oppression from off of our lives. And right now, I know in this moment, You are going to heal minds that have been attacked. Attacked with anxiety. Attacked with panic. Attacked with doubt. Attacked with depression. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' Name that the truth of this Word would overwhelm those anxious thoughts. The presence of the Prince of Peace would come and calm the troubled waters of our emotions and our souls. I speak hope. I speak life into every troubled heart, into every broken mind. Father, when we've come to the end of ourselves, we discover that You are enough. And God, I pray that rather than drawing a false and wrong conclusion about our lives and about our future, the Father, today we would run to You. We would lay ourselves upon that altar, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. And God, we ask, would You pour out that river of revival into our hearts and out of our hearts shall flow rivers of living water. That everywhere we go this week, albeit in our houses or to the grocery store or whatever it is that we're doing, oh God, I pray for the river of revival to run. I pray, oh God, that where there's been trouble, conflict, anxiety in homes, in marriages. God, that peace would come. I feel the Word of the Lord to you today is, why are you so afraid? Just like Jesus said to those disciples in that boat, when the waters were storming all around them and the disciples are like, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Maybe you've asked God this week, don't you care that we're going through what we're going through? And Jesus wakes from his slumber because the natural things of this world do not faze him. We've got to get his perspective on what we're going through. And he says, why are you so afraid? Don't you know who is in the boat with you? Don't you know who you are worshipping and who you are in love with? I'm the Creator of the heavens and the earth. And I can speak to the natural elements. So if the natural elements have not been abated yet, it's because there's a greater purpose. There's a greater intention that God is trying to work into all of our hearts. And so God, I pray right now 
that Lord, where there are things that we cannot control, Creator of heavens and the earth, would You come and speak to the troubled waters of our hearts and our minds. Peace, be still. Father, we come into agreement today that God, these enforced lockdowns and restrictions will come to an end in Jesus' Name. That this COVID virus would go to the pit of hell and not return. Father, we pray right now that there would be an opening up and a freedom, O God, that breaks out across this city, breaks out across our nation and all across the world. God, we choose to believe in the posture of faith in Your Word rather than in the posture of fear in this world. And Father, I thank You right now that You're setting people free and that, Lord, You're leading us deeper and deeper into the river of revival in Jesus' Name. Come on, let's worship. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.